This is the Manips and Sips podcast show, featuring two fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, business, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast show featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and my partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we're going to be talking about uh, whether you know physical therapy or treatment in physical therapy should be standardized. Um, a lot of physical therapy can you know vary per clinician or clinic. Um, should we really you know hone down and really make it one system for certain conditions? But before I get too much into it, Brandon, how's it going? Going well, Jer. Um, yeah, this is a this is a great topic I, I want to talk about. And it's I don't know if you and I have the answer, quote unquote answer, right? For everybody. I think this is just to make our audience think more so today. Yeah. Um, but we have our uh, our course coming up this weekend. So I'll be seeing you uh, in uh, about 24 hours or so. Actually, maybe 36 because you come in the morning. Yeah. So we have that coming up. Uh, I guess drinks, right? We got our drinks. Yeah. I'm uh, drinking. I forget. I poured it like 20 minutes ago now because we, we were chatting. Um I think it was Bacardi, so oh. some type of rum. So I've been sipping on that for a little bit. Uh, that's what I got today. I was about to drink some beer because I have uh, a ton of it, um, but I was like, let me save some for you and uh, Kyle this weekend. Yeah, is Kyle a big beer guy? I think he is. I think he, he is. Beer, yeah, yeah he's definitely more than I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, in a random idea, I did go to a, some breweries this last weekend um and there's a brewery somewhat between the both of us um called founders um between you and me ish ish it's closer to my hometown if you remember where i used to live like closer to south brunswick but um it has a brewery and then i don't know what the name of the distillery but it's a brewery and distillery on one site and i was like oh 100th episode we should reach out to them get it live there you okay. get drinks delivered from distillery. I'm getting a brewery and God knows what will happen, but All that's right. it. I, I like it. So what are we at now? What was huh? it like 60 episode 60 or six? We're in the sixties. We're in the seventies now. Oh, in well, 70s. Published seventies. Oh, this is, this will be, I think we're in the mid to late seventies of, you know, things that haven't been out to the world yet. Um, so. so we're looking at probably spring summertime then. Mm, of, two two per week uh yeah potentially yeah yeah. so from recording fall. publishing will probably yeah, yeah i'm not i'm not, not worried about publishing actually oh but you want to do it live so yeah. we're gonna have to uh, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out. all right but just saying i saw that and that's that's where my mind was going i love uh, it uh may it happen multiple hour episode and you know first one drops ones in the hundredth episode but all right sounds good <laughs> but uh Speaking of drinks, my boy uh, TJ, who I get to see this weekend, uh, my main man from uh, Denver, uh, he gave me this beer. He said I had to have it. It's called Prairie Artisan Ales Seasick Crocodile, which is a great one. It's a holiday beer, and we're a little past the holidays right now, but he said I had to have it. It's a cinnamon, a sour ale with cranberries, ginger, cinnamon, and nutmeg. So this is interesting. From my everything cake. about that sounds great except the sour part. I can't mess with sour beers, man. Those I'll run right to the bathroom. Oh man, I, I think well, they the sour game has definitely evolved in the last couple of years, in my opinion. They're like super, almost too much when I first experienced them. I don't know 
seven, eight years to nine years ago. Um, but now they're a little bit easier on the palate there and the stomach. But uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see how this one goes. Sounds good. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it smells nice. Ooh. Heavy on the tang, but you can, uh, you can. Right after you say it's evolved on the palate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's calming down a little bit. It's cool because you can kind of taste like the cranberries and the, and the cinnamon to a degree, which I haven't really had with a sour beer. But I'm going to give it a 7-2. Okay. All right. Um, funny, a little story for our audience here. Speaking of sour beers, and Jeremy, you uh, enlightened me on this. So when I went, I was out uh, doing my fellowship in, um, in Regis, one of the uh, trips it was during the summer, I stood out for a week. And uh, one of the things I did was check out all the breweries, not a beer guy, but you know, went in Rome. Mm -hmm. So they, I think up on like 20th street or something like that. 21st, 22nd, there's like just this whole row, a whole strip of, um, of breweries. I think there might be one distillery. So I'm having these beers and they're pretty good, but my stomach just starts getting wrecked. Like, bubbly and gas him like what's going on like i didn't eat anything whatever so i had no idea it was the beers all right so then you and i had were playing golf in the fall at that tournament we had i don't know if you remember that like three years ago and then yeah. you whooped out a sour beer i was like no nah, i can't fuck with those mm. um I, every time i have one of those it my stomach gets irritated uh -huh. right and then you're like oh it's because of i don't know whatever the bacteria or whatever the fuck yeah it. so i was like oh all right makes sense he's like yeah, yeah that's what makes it sour so that was my uh, evolution to sour beers. Clearly, I know nothing about beer. This was mm. a few years ago as well. But um, yeah, so I don't mess with the sour beers. I see it and I run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them were really, really good. Now they got these like milkshake style sour beers where it honestly looks like someone made blend stuff in a smoothie. So it looks, it has no resemblance of beer at this point. Um, yeah. Those are becoming... Um, or blender beers um those are becoming much much more popular um but like your standard sour which i believe is what i'm having those can be a little bit but yeah i believe uh we'll have to bring justin on the show one day but uh he's a more beer science connoisseur there um but i think originally how sour beers were created was a batch because it's yeast and stuff like that and then you have to be very very careful of how you you know put everything in it's gonna be kind of a controlled environment as best as it can um a batch has got infected and then still turned out to be pretty okay so and then you get sour beers but sour beers have to be typically in like like bigger breweries and that sort of stuff actually separated from your other type of beers because they can actually infect the other beers which is kind oh, of interesting. that interesting from why here but hopefully i don't get any flack from the brewery uh, association of sorts but well, you're gonna start your own one day i yeah. i feel it what what do you think you're 34 mm -hmm. oh 33. hold up i know that what 33 now oh 33 shit way off um i know this is this episode isn't gonna drop but uh dr j over here just had his uh, 33rd birthday i'm trying to uh you know expedite your age get you a little closer <laughs> to mine who was saying how old i am um but happy birthday to you brother it you was said. uh february 15th uh so guys dm jeremy when you, when you hear this <laughs> um happy birthday so happy birthday to you big Thank dog you, um almost forgot that 
33. Okay. Uh, the trifecta of birthdays. Because I'm not going to make it to 333. So it's as good as it gets. All right. Um, there you go. Thank you, sir. Oh, look at that. that. That's very fitting. How many yeah. years have you been in business? Four. Not three. Uh, it was yeah, three, I know. Three, I know. Three, 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 three. Yeah. Fuck. You opened up a year too soon. I know. I know. I know. Hope maybe a, yeah, you, you we got a third office somewhere. Yeah, I didn't add it all up or that sort of stuff. It is what it is. <laughs> didn't wasn't thinking that ahead of things at the point, but here we and are. Now. If you did, you could have done an office a year and have three offices, three years, thirty third birthday. Would have been epic. Would have been epic. <sighs> I fudged up. I fudged up. But, you know, one of my people probably make quad facta. I'll make sure they line it up that crisply. All right. But probably be next door. Probably be Justin. He always he always makes fun of me. He's just like, quad facta. <laughs> I'm like, you bitch. Can't use my own symbol against me. All right. Let's, let's get the um, chatting. Let, all right, so enough uh, enough ranting here. Uh, audience probably like, all right, shut up, get a show on the road. Yeah. Standardizing PT. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Should does this um should this start at the pro the entry level program? Should should there be some more unified standardization uh, between program curriculums? Does mm-hmm. the problem start there? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. There are, I think, about 12-ish different approved um, PT curriculums within CAPTI, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, from what I remember from some fellowship discussions. Uh, I may be misquoting that, but 12 um, really stands out. It, does that, is that where everything starts? Is that where some of the problems in our profession start? I mean, uh, I think so. I, I think I always say you know, trying to layer all the people that we teach now um, from student physical therapists to our entry levels that come in our place to our residents, to our fellows and training of like how, how you want to have your mindset. Um, obviously when you're not exposed to anything as a student physical therapist, or if you volunteer, yeah, maybe, you know, standardizing things and laying a good foundation of what's the available evidence um, for each particular area, I think is a good idea. Um, with the, I guess, explanation that, you know, everybody's a end of one, you know, things do ebb and flow, think, test things out, learn from different people. Um, I think it's a good kind of start, but, you know, we also see that as a problem as well as, you know, right out of school, it's like, my professor said this, this is what the evidence stays and I'm stuck in this box and, when shit doesn't go right, I have nowhere to go. Um, so I think I like the idea of like evidence informed practice um, as kind of our, our guide with things. But, you know, when you have nothing to build off of, and, you know, having some standardizations uh, from some things to look at from objective to also, you know, treatment, I think is a good idea. I think we also like that's one end of the spectrum is the, those that the students or the, the DPTs. Uh, but really is like, maybe we should start standardizing or for, almost forcing standardizations of our more senior PTs, uh, especially because, you know, they're the ones, you know, mentoring CIs, whatever it may be, the younger generations. And we see this kind of vicious cycle if they're stuck in some things 
from the, you know, the 80s or 90s or some whacked out stuff sorry to say it but and they're teaching the next person and then it starts to kind of trickle down how many generations of pts are we going to have that are practicing i would say just downright wrong in a sense uh not empowering the profession making our outcomes look like crap um decreasing our responsibilities because you know they're you know passing it along generation to generation so I don't know how that typically teaching in schools though, Mm -hmm. but then the older therapists that are doing some wonky ass outdated shit and they justify it by, well, my experience, Mm -hmm. like that's like, like what, what, what movie is it? It's a Will Ferrell movie where he's like, with all due respect and then like insults you. And mm-hmm. that, I forget the name of it. And then the guy's like, just because you say with all due respect doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want after it. He's like, yes, no, yes, oh. yes. That, that is what all due respect means, right? Yeah. So it's like that has become the, oh, like if you have any type of experience behind him, well, in my experience, and then mm-hmm. that just glosses over everything and, and that, you know, you're scot-free and you can't be touched because your experience says that. Mm-hmm. And you totally just wash out and disregard any other aspects of EBP or evidence informed or whatever phrase you want to use. Uh, it's going to bother me. What movie is that? I, I feel like I saw it most re- very recently. Cause it's like hitting me in the head. Um, mm, I always look it up, but I don't think it was Anchorman. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll, we can, we'll, we'll come back. Maybe just in a different episode. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, rant here while you maybe look it up. Yeah. Um, I, I took a course this weekend on dry needling. Talk talk about what you were saying, like some standards, right? And th- this is just a conversation that I don't know, it's going to go in circles. It's going to go in different rabbit holes and bunny trails, right? Was it but Talladega Nights? What happened? Was it Talladega Nights? Yes, I think it was Talladega. He was telling his uh, the CEO guy of, of uh, <laughs> Dale Enterprise or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah good good job. Good quote there. Yeah. All right, it was Our Talladega. Food, um, all right, so back to my thing. I was you where I was, so I was taking a course. I was taking a dry needling course, mm. and I was the experienced dry needle in the group. So we were talking about some stuff, and I said, "Okay, uh, what's your asterisk sign?" And the three APTs just like deer in headlights. I'm like, you know, asterisk sign, and they're like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Comparable sign." Uh, they're like, "No." I'm like, "Okay, what do you call it when you know you do someone's range of motion, you do a treatment, and then you retest it, right?" And then, you know, they're a little perplexed, but then like, oh, they came up with a name. I can't remember it. That's uh, what it was. Something to see. Um, I think it was concordant sign, maybe they used yeah, concordant. that terminology. Yeah. Concordant, right? So even that's not standardized, you know. Um, and something as simple as an asterisk sign, you know, okay, there, there may be multiple names. Cool. Mm-hmm. Teach all the different names that there could be, or at least the, the, the top main ones. So, you know, when you go to have a discussion or teach or try and have a reference point to start from, mm-hmm. you know, we can all start at the same, the same point, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We don't even have that. Uh, do we need it? I don't know. Um, I, I, that's on the, uh, the school level. We're not going to go down that route. Uh, that's not, you know, changing anytime soon. Um, does it have to change? Is that the good part? I mean, I, I love at least the fellowship I was in that kind of gives you some free reign, especially when you get to a higher level thinking where you can actually critically think and reason through things. 
should you have to be put in a box of standardization, which other fellowships do. I've trained other fellows uh, from different programs and they are very regimented and linear in their thought process. They, they have to stay within the color, uh, you know, the lines, right? That's the color within the lines where luckily I feel Regis gives you the ability to move things around, ebb and flow, uh, use interchangeable pieces, which uh, obviously you have to get to that point. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's the education side. Yeah. Let's go to the treatment side where, and we all talk about, right? Uh, oh, you're in how we market too. Oh, your plan of care is individualized to you. That great. That sounds nice. Mm -hmm. It really does. It's cute. But is that what really what we're doing? You know, should you can individualize somebody's plan of care, but it's the shittiest plan of care ever. Um, is someone going to get better? Is someone going to get better as fast as they could? Should we be at least creating some some minimal checkpoints? Like, mm -hmm. hey, you could do whatever you want, but you need to do A, B, and C first. Mm -hmm. You need to assess X, Y, and Z first. And then from there, you can go do whatever. And I'll, I'll give some case examples, but what are your thoughts on that topic? Yeah, I think I think it, maybe from a, who knows, maybe an outcome measure-wise or outcomes altogether, like, all right, you should uh, maybe push us for that then like all right we're not going to tell you exactly how to get there by the steps and um i have my knocks on like protocols especially for acls and that sort of stuff they say you got to do this but they never tell you how um but maybe it's like all right well you gotta get five degrees range of motion here or you should see an improvement of what if you want to use an outcome measure you know plus six per week or something like that and when your crappy plan of care isn't achieving that, then, you know, maybe that's that, you know, that's something that needs to be standardized. All right. You don't, you haven't earned the right to continue treating this person because you're not, you know, you're not making outcomes or you're not uh, improving the person. Uh, and those individuals maybe should be standardized in a sense. I think what you said before about whether, you know, Concordian sign or comparable sign or um, functional asterisk, whatever you want to use, um they're all kind of similar in a sense uh i think i mean that should be the bare minimum of of what we teach to to, to students or everyone like if you're not aiming to make a progress and track it within sessions like i still think that's part of our profession is like some people it's like all right especially this you know scripts it's like you get them it's like all right well i have four weeks whatever oh yeah i gotta do a reval at 10 sessions um everything in between i don't really care about but no we should it should be beaten into us it's like find out whatever is important to the patient do something and you should be making meaningful progress towards it if your treatment's not then you know again you need to either evolve or maybe it's something that the patient's not appropriate for physical therapy but um how often do we get people that you know don't make any progress and again end up you know surgery failing PT. Oh my God. Well, on a random tangent here, I saw um, New York times put up a thing about like uh, certain orthopedic procedures don't need to have, shouldn't have to go for surgeries. You should try other things. And I thought I saw it was hundreds of comments. Um, and I read through the articles like, yeah, those are all things. I know the research on that. Those are all things that I, if I see those, I'm like, I can treat that person without the need of surgery yeah. and comments on this. I was hoping people were like, that's awesome. That's great. Was 
horrid. It's like everybody was saying, it's like, this is an insurance play. This is, you know, nobody wants to pay for anything. And I just wanted to like comment on everyone. I'm like, no, physical therapy should be able to treat all these things. Plus some. Um, and again, I guess if we're as crappy as we are, can we blame these people for not wanting to try it or they have tried it? Um, you know, maybe these therapists that have poor outcomes. I mean, I know Medicare try to track outcomes and kind of tie it to reimbursement and people abuse that in their own way. But I think we need to find a way to standardize or honestly have cuts to the profession. Like, all right, you unfortunately don't earn the right to continue to treat because you're just as good as not even as good as a trainer in a sense, not to knock on trainers, you know, trainers at least will guide you through your exercise. Some people it's literally you walk in, you do your exercises, you walk right back out. Someone helps gets the hot pack from the hydroculator. Uh, mm-hmm. But those people need to get there. So uh, we have, you know, a system and, you know, state boards like snitch on a place. If you, if you know, they're doing some dirty stuff, well, why aren't we? No one's going to snap their clinicians. <laughs> you know? So that's, that's my rant on that sort of stuff. I think. Well, we need to- no, great, great points. And why do, you know, some of it, you know, people are saying, um, you know, it's an insurance play. Maybe they had bad experiences at PT because mm-hmm. people are doing shitty stuff, mm-hmm. outdated stuff. Um, maybe insurances should um, reimburse people who have higher credentials and keep them. Mm-hmm. It's not the best answer, but there is a big difference between the way a fellow trained person treats and somebody who has their doctorate one year out. I know way more than day one um you know pt that comes out yet we get reimbursed the same Mm -hmm. is that correct i don't know these are these are all things that are just kind of coming up based off of that article but people also have the perspective that surgery is a quick fix the amount of people and i live you know five miles from new york city i'm in new jersey but five miles from there if that and the amount of people that think oh well i had surgery i should be good like they think they're getting a brand new body part Mm-hmm. like they just have no concept of you, know, you were just cut open you mm-hmm. know we need to rehab this it's not going to happen on its own and part of it's the physician's fault because a lot of them don't even prep their uh their patients uh if they're going to get surgery they should probably start with pt before surgery mm-hmm. just to get them in uh the routine of what it's going to be like um and hopefully educate them before they go in when they have maybe a clearer frame of mind because you know surgeons tell people when they're just coming out of anesthesia the person's groggy as hell i don't know if people have had surgery out there you don't remember anything the the surgeon speaks a mile a minute and then leaves and you're like "Uh what i had no idea what's going on Mm -hmm. um i had a person two and a half weeks out come in for for acl uh you know rehab after reconstruction and she's like, yeah, I didn't know I needed PT. Doctor didn't say anything. And then when she went for her two-week follow-up, he's like, yeah, you should be in PT. She's like, you never said anything. Mm. Like, there, there are so many different layers to, to the point you brought up in that article that obviously people commenting, you know, there, there's going to be truths to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's just so many layers. But if we standardize treatment, 
to some extent, does that take away the, you know, variability as much, you know, are people are at least getting the basics, right? Like, well, obviously we talk about manipulation a lot, like an upslope, a thoracic manipulation, and whether it's prone or supine, a, a lumbopelvic, right? If somebody is coming in with that region, you know, you should probably manipulate them. Like no question asked, like it's a safe technique. If they don't have any red flags, there's no reason not to. Josh Cleland, you know, this is from the, the horse's mouth here. He's has over 300 publications. I'm in fellowship program. And he's like, these are leafy green techniques. Mm-hmm. Leafy greens, we, we benefit from, you know, vegetables and salads and, and green things in our life as human beings. That technique is the equivalent. Like we need to encourage that. Yes, we need to exercise. Yes, there needs to be some individuality. You can't just go, you know, manipulate everybody. But for, for most technique or for most pathologies, should we start to, to kind of um, create protocols for the average PT? So you're at least hitting some markers along the way mm-hmm. versus you're going in there and you're just doing, you know, massage. And like you said, going, coming in, doing exercise, heat pack and leave it. Mm-hmm. Like there's no skill in that. Mm-hmm. like part of what we get reimbursed for is for a skilled intervention there's no skill in passing your person off to a high school student for exercises doing heat or stem or whatever the fuck and then having that patient leave and maybe maybe you do a hamstring stretch to them there's no a monkey could do that mm-hmm. so you can do it with a strap you know, you literally um you know so cool. do we and, and i think the we tried to do that as a profession with this critical prediction rules and clinical practice guidelines, but idiot PTs took that the wrong way too. And they don't like it or don't do it. And now as we're evolving, okay, you know, Chad cook has come out, you know, death to CPRs, death to CPGs. Where do we go wrong with this? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, you know, trying to create a baseline or a standard for people uh, uh, doing an injustice as well. Mm-hmm. I think it really needs, I hate to say it, but it almost needs to come down. We're still a very insurance-based profession is like the insurance companies should maybe, I think that'd be the only way that would change people. You can have the greatest of greats teach you. You can have your professors maybe teach you. Uh, we get podcasts out to the masses of millions like manips and sips here, um, you know, can teach us and that sort of stuff. But let's face it. A lot of times it's just easier to stick to what you're doing or it falls on deaf ears. But let's say if insurance companies were actually really critically evaluating notes versus just kind of auto denying or whatever it may be, but like, all right, you put this ICD 10 code or we read your quick assessment, whatever it may be. We see that you failed to implement X, Y, Z that we see is, should be a standard of care. Um, you know, leave it like 50%, maybe standard, and maybe 50% little ebbs and flows if you want to add some performance or some other kind of techniques or you know, obviously some education or obviously education should be uh, incorporated with everybody. Um, but it's like we're, we're not going to reimburse you because you failed to implement the best treatment um versus you know you know I, they're still paying for ultrasound 
you know, all right, we're going to dock you. We're not going to pay you because you're doing ultrasound and we don't see any evidence to support that. Or we see that you fail to see if there is a, a meaningful improvement within session or in between session. Um, that's, those are things. And then maybe that'll drive, unfortunately, that'll drive, you know, people to do that. You know, the head, big people, big companies are like, all right, we need to do this. Well, and then and I already can see it. Unfortunately, it's like you just need a document like that. <laughs> yep, that that, that, that becomes a problem. Um, then, yeah, people. Well, I mean, insurance companies need to not be for profit or say they're for profit. They need to put a cap on what um, what salaries can be for CEOs, what their bonuses can be. There's no way these CEOs of Cigna and Blue Cross and Aetna can pull in, you know, a $20 billion bonus at the end of the year. Meanwhile, they're denying payment. How about people are paying into this? Let them use it. Mm-hmm. There's more than enough money in there. But then you have people say, oh, well, cash pay will fix that. No, I used to think that as well. But no, because then you become a service industry. We're not a commodity, right? We're a healthcare professional. Then you get the idiots that are marketing, right? You just need to be good enough. What's good enough? Good enough for one patient may not be good enough for another patient. So what's good enough, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, and and their focus becomes on service and and marketing, which trust me, you need that as well. But that can't come at the sacrifice of being a, you know, a good clinician, good enough. What, What does that mean? Never be uh, so yeah yeah we're, we're clearly not getting to the i think we're, we're making more questions uh from this which is which is perfect yeah. hopefully everyone listening to this you know begins to think a little more and reflect more on uh what it is they're doing or mm-hmm. what what mission they want to be a part of mm-hmm. um you know do you want to go work for the mom or the the mill mm-hmm. or do you want to go work for maybe a smaller company that has a better culture that tries to, to do things better and, mm-hmm. and focuses on these, these things, you know, trying to move the profession forward mm-hmm. or do you go do your own thing? You know, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of different options here. Mm-hmm. Um, so think. yeah, I, I, I don't have anything I mean, else. Look at it. Be greedy about it. You want your constantly bitch about, what our salaries are well our salaries aren't going to get any better if we constantly suck at what we do um if we have these people who just kind of suck and see people for 40 50 60 sessions for something that can be easily treated in just a couple um you know that's gonna devalue things all right why should we pay this person x amount for you know 50 60 70 hundreds of sessions i know a couple practices that see people regularly over the triple digit marker that devalues us. Um, you know, if we can get standardization of certain things, hey, that may fix or help 60% of the people, 70% of the people that come to PT. And maybe that extra level expertise or that fluidity gets the remaining 20, 30%, then great. We have we have benefits of both worlds. And then we can actually be like, wow, you know, maybe they'll start forcing it more. So, all right, yeah, we have direct access. Great, wonderful. But maybe it'll start to become a part of the system versus you have that choice. It's like, no, we need you to go to PT first and you need to have 
lease this done, try this out before we do that versus what's it now? Oh, I hurt my low back. I went to my physician. Oh yeah. Go try physical therapy. We'll do the MRI when you come or back. Just, just wait for two weeks. Do nothing. Just rest. Mm-hmm. That's not that, that should be standardized. Do not allow that. You know, all right. We're not going to reimburse you for that physician visit um, because nothing. they gave a shitty advice and they just extended your length of symptoms. Um, so, you know, certain things probably should be, uh, and unfortunately it gets to a point where things probably have to be docked or, you know, not paid or punished to a degree, um, before I, I, all the punishments I've ever known have always been more like fraud and billing stuff. Whenever we're going to get maybe some punishments for shitty care. Uh, I don't, I'm not scared of it. I'd fucking love it. I'd wipe out half the competition in the area um so i think that's that's what we unfortunately instead of just everyone being motivated and let's let's go ham and become the alphas of the neuromusculoskeletal realm um i think it's unfortunately gonna be forced elsewhere um yeah well where uh, i was gonna say the standard comes on the insurance um providers like cigna or oxford fucks um they uh the standard is i don't know whose standard this is they give you four visits for acl reconstruction the fuck is that i'm good i'm not that good i can't yeah. you know speed up God. yeah um you know Maybe and, and they're like, like oh well based upon our data to only take four visits what data are you freaking pulling from a 1980 study and i've had it where i've gone toe-to-toe dropping research between Dr. G of Cigna, I'm not going to specifically name names, but, um, and they're like, no, that's okay. Yeah. All right. Great. You're not even up for a true peer to peer, but it's like, they don't care. It's not their problem. If they retear and potentially they may be on someone else's insurance next year, or again, just keep rolling the dice, hoping for the best. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, uh, that's a good thing. Knowing your research. I mean, I've done that with, uh, with, um, and you know, Peter Peer. it's not even Peter Peer cause you get some nurse practitioner or something or some peds doctor has no idea what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start to try and cite research. And if you know the research and you could like, I had one per, I was just riling off everything research year, author stats of it. And then like, all right, clearly know your research. Mm-hmm. All right, here, you know, and then and they'll cave in. Mm-hmm. Um, love it's, it's an endurance battle of research, what? it's an what? endurance battle of research. It's like yeah, pulling um, them online and presenting it, uh, advocating your case, like even beyond the research of like, we're doing this, we're doing that. I'm examining this. They still have these deficits that need rehab. We know if you stop rehab here, the statistics are this from this research. Yeah. It's almost an endurance battle, yeah. But go ahead. Wrong. they still say no sometimes, mm-hmm. but. You know, at least you're able to to have that conversation more often than not. I'm able to get you know a couple extra, more than a couple, but you know their plan of care extended if I'm dealing with an insurance company. But yeah, I mean the whole system's broken. Um, we're we're going we're going beyond uh the, the scope of this this call now. But <laughs> but um yeah, I think that's I think that's good. Um, any final thoughts there, Brandon, on standardization of PT or anything like that? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, we brought it up. Uh, part of me feels like there should be just some, you know, 
certain things that are, are just without question, this person comes in with this diagnosis or these impairments, you need to assess this area. Um, I shouldn't even say impairments because honestly, you should find your impairments in your exam. So let's say somebody comes in with proposed diagnosis or you develop a hypothesis of three diagnoses, right? You should check, you know, without a doubt, you know, X, Y, and Z for that person and probably implement X, Y, and Z treatment to start with. And then you could do, do whatever. Part, part of me feels that way. The other part of me is like, no, it should be individualized. You should have all time. You should be able to think and reason through. But I'm be real. Most clinicians can't think and reason through. We teach courses. I've been to courses. Like clinicians just, they're like, they want the answer. I'm like, I don't have the answer. Like I'm not treating the patient. I, you know, I come up with my rationale in the moment. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what I'm thinking. You know, I, again, we're, we're dry kneeling and we're going over the infraspinatus muscle and same dumbass student in the class. When would you use this? Like for three days straight, when would you do this? And it's like, yo, the, the same way when you're driving your elbow into some dude's knot or using a lacrosse ball or just doing soft tissue massage or cupping, whatever, instead of that, you're going to use this. Like it's not fucking rocket science. Unbelievable how the lack of people to just, just want to be fucking herded through mm -hmm. their, their day or thought like they don't want to think. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to say it. Obviously, we love our profession, but as a whole, it fucking sucks. Uh, I, I don't. I don't have the answer. I, I don't know. Obviously, we we you know teach um, you know courses every month. You know, we get a lot of different people from like you said, student level to fellowship level, and there is just a lot of variability, and you know, people literally just want the answer to do every time like they go to a course looking for that silver bullet that's the that maybe those are the ones that need to be like uh, here's your standardized cookbook of things do just do this and when you don't if you don't get results from this you need to find someone who can help guide you <laughs> if you don't want to do it yourself follow yellow brick road back home yeah <laughs> like oh my god but yeah um yeah some people just don't have that drive hopefully the people listening in do um, honestly I, I think pt school i know it's a cash cow for universities like half the pts that are admitted should not be pts i agree um if you don't know how to exercise you shouldn't go to pt school because no matter what realm you go in acute care neuro peds it all becomes dosing mm -hmm. and progressions and regressions and knowing different exercises mm -hmm. forget the manual therapy side if you can't even do that or understand that why the fuck are you becoming a pt um or talk to yeah. people too there's some people where i'm like you are i mean maybe that gets better over time i know i wasn't the most gifted speaker of all time but you, you get some people who just like can't carry a conversation or they're extraordinarily oh, awkward or they can't hear them or um, are offensive. I'm like, yeah, those people oh. probably should be screened out. This does, you know, again, and any field requires some grace in their talking and we know therapeutic alliance improves outcomes. Um, so, you know, certain people shouldn't, shouldn't because they have terrible bedside manner. So, uh, I don't care how smart you are. Great. 
kudos to you, but if you're a dick, no one's going to want to work with you. They're going to give up on therapy because you offend them in some way. And then you're another person that says, oh, PT didn't work out for me. Well, PT Unless you get them better one session, then it doesn't matter. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to be, to be nice, I guess, but. No, I'm just, uh, just teasing there. Um, but cool. All right. Yeah. I think. I, I think enough ranting today. Yeah, that was good. But all right. So there's some closing stuff. We got a full boatload of courses for the rest of this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can see you guys out there and, uh, yeah. Cheers everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, oh, no, no, go for it. Go for it. Just it's cut it. live, uh, baby. We're live. Well, at it. And then want to, you mentioned the courses we have, we're, we're really bolstering up our, um, I guess our offerings to, uh, the PT community. We are rolling out a, uh, cert and uh, neuromusculoskeletal manual therapy, two cohorts, spring and summer. Uh, so we have an in-depth, robust curriculum for that. Uh, we have our online mentorship as well. Maybe you don't want to go the, the certification route or you're just uh, across the country. Uh, online mentorship is an option. We have online videos as well, going over exercise and manual therapy. Uh, we're going to be releasing in an, uh, another couple months, uh, certification dry needling as well. Um, so definitely, uh, pay attention to IOSMT as, uh, we're really going to be um, increasing our uh, our services and, and products and education uh, material and content for for everybody. So we have, you know, our podcasts, we have our courses, we have our certs. Um, hopefully we can continue moving this profession forward. Uh, so we, um, I guess, up the standard of our profession. Nice, nice, nice way to close that out. All right. Awesome stuff. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Nips and Sips. If you liked what you listened to, please follow and subscribe to us on all major social media and podcast platforms. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Interested in one of our courses? Go to www.iosmt.com. Interested in business and private practice mentorship and advice? Visit us at therehabcoaches.com. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or recommendations, whether that be clinical or SIPs. At Manips and SIPs, at The Decent Doctor, and at Think Like a Fellow. Thanks for tuning in and cheers, everyone.